you know, we've talked a lot about this in between media this season. There's going to be curveballs coming your way. Hate's a strong word. I dislike Kirk Cousins more than probably any other quarterback. I get a little bit of that rookie-itis, you know? I would have said, I would love some of what you're Even though I'm straight, I'm still stuck between an interpretation, what it all means. Can I make a difference for something different? My mind in prison, then I saw the vision. Played the field, it's no competition. Found success through the repetition. If it's impossible, stick to the mission. I'm just cruising through on my way to get it. I found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. Right, what's up, people of Earth? It's March 10th, 2021. Spring is officially in the air. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast, your destination for both some feel-good life advice and some mediocre fantasy football advice as well. I'm Seth Wilcock, the founder of In Between Media, joined by my co-host, two of my best friends and two of the rising stars in this industry's Nate Polvo and Scott Rainier. Gents, today is a very special day here at In Between Media. Uh, nine month anniversary since our original launch. How are you guys feeling? I'm dreading the three feet of snow, but other than that, I'm feeling great, man. Um, I'm tired, man. It's been it's been a grind the last few weeks with day job and all this fun. So, but it's all good. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Um, you know, it's a testament to what we are here at In Between Media. We're going to continue to grind throughout the off season. We have episodes coming your way. Every other week, we're in the midst of our off-season sessions where we bring in someone from the community. We get to tell their story, um, their come up throughout this industry. So um, we are going to talk about some fantasy football today on today's episode. We're going to try to predict the future a little bit with some headline hijinks about the upcoming free agency period that's about to begin here in just a few weeks. Um, but first, we're going to uh, bring in one of the most notable names in the fantasy industry, one of the nicest names in the fantasy industry. Um, and that's Chris Robin. And no, not the Winnie the Pooh character, um, but a household name in the industry. Chris, what's up, brother? Can I get through a broadcast without the Winnie the Pooh reference here? Thank you for having me, I guess. Hey, Fair we enough. all read the books, man. I mean, it just like pops. I'm currently reading all those to my son. So it's the first thing I think of. I'm sorry. Yeah, Chris Robin, he seems like a, a caring guy. He's very nice to, you know, other animals and he has a, a good characteristics. And, you know, I'm in my mid 30s. So when I was a, a little boy, Winnie the Pooh and Winnie the Pooh and the blustery day was like stayed in my rotation as a oh, small absolutely. child. Absolutely. Same here, man. Same here. Chris, thank you for joining us, man. Um, why don't we start with, you know, kind of the standard you get in every interview that you come on and do. Uh, introduce yourself to us. Where can our viewers and our listeners find you and your work? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Detroit Beastie. I'd like to think, uh, I say it a lot. I'd like to think if you're if you're looking for me, you don't have far to go. It's at Detroit Beastie. Recently joined the Undroppables. Uh, we chatted and we got together uh, for strictly for my, my DFS knowledge. I mean, I know Dynasty, Redraft, Devi and all that, but uh, DFS, uh, I found, we'll get to it later in the broadcast, but it, 
it being a jack of all trades is kind of good, but you need to kind of hone in on, on one thing if you want to make some headway in a very, you know, watered down kind of thing here. So uh, at Detroit Beastie and most recently the Undroppables. Awesome. Yeah, that's a good addition for them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a good crew over there, man. That's a really good crew over there. It really is. Thank you. And to be fair, you know, maybe when like wild card weekend. So it gives you, you know, like a time frame. Uh, I knew that this 2020 season was winding down and it was a free for all for a lot of us, especially me writing an article, for, you know, writing 17 articles a week for 25 different websites. And that, but that was, that's what it took, you know, looking back might've been exhausting, but that's, that's what it took for me. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like to do. But going forward this coming season, I wanted to really tighten up, you know, kind of what I was doing and where I was going to be. And I talked to several other websites and I I lost sleep over it for like two weeks. If I go here, uh, I'm going to upset these people. If I go there, I'm going to upset these people. And I found, you know, my head was spinning and I didn't know what to do. And for like the first week or two, I haven't even told anybody this for the first week or two, I'm second guessing myself saying that I joined the wrong website with the undroppables. And that man, that was stupid of me. And but I've always been open and honest. And uh, what a great addition. I've really, uh, you know, there's a lot of cohesion there. And I really connected with these guys. So I'm very happy. Awesome. Love to hear it, man. Love to hear it. Chris, you're someone that, you know, from the very beginning of anyone getting into this industry, you know, myself about, you know, a year and a half, two years ago or so, you're one of the first people who I really started interacting with and seeing, and and you gave me a follow pretty early, early on. And, and while everyone, you know, we think we know each other on there because, you know, we we see a profile picture, we see tweets from people daily. You're on Facebook a lot as well. Um, You know, what really makes you, you, man? And how have you gotten to this point in your life and, and kind of take me to the very beginning of it. Like, what was your childhood? Like, what was high school? Like, uh, take me through it all. If you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. What's it's uh, almost eight o'clock Eastern. So we'll be here till about midnight. If you guys don't know, (laughs) I'll give you the, give you the abbreviated version, you know, like when you, you know, when you sit down with your, with your grandpa or your grandpa's friends, if you were fortunate enough to have a relationship with those people, you know, take time to sit down with them. Cause when we're teenagers, you know, it's not cool. We want nothing to do with them, but as you get older and, you know, wiser and later in life, really take those stuff, really take that stuff for what it's worth and don't toss it aside. Uh, I was born and raised on the east side of Detroit. I was actually born in a hospital in Detroit, born and raised on the east side, as I said, about eight mile in Gratiot. So when Eminem came to fruition and all that, he grew up literally, uh, I was on Gratiot and eight mile. He grew up across the street, but down a couple blocks on on Navarra, which is just completely, you know, burned down now. I never met him. Uh, I've been to his concert. So when I say he born and raised a couple blocks away. Not like we hung out and played baseball in the backyard, but yeah, eight mile and grass shit. So again, you know, when eight mile started coming up and Eminem was big, everybody, you know, would look at, look at me a certain way. So do you, do you carry guns? Are you a pill popper? Or is that what you do? Like, no, well, completely different people. Went to East Detroit high school, played football, baseball, went to college at Oakland university, uh, played baseball there. And, uh, and here we are. And it was uh, from a long, you know, a long list of, of mistakes that I've made, which again, I know we'll get to, but uh, I, I don't, you ever see those on social media or wherever there's like the red pill and the blue pill and the, the red pill, you can go back and change all your mistakes and the blue pill, you go through the front door and you get 50 million cash. Well, it's cash all the time because again, 
I don't, I don't want to go back and relive anything I did. I don't want to go back and, and change my mistakes. Cause if I did that, I wouldn't be the the man that I am today. And I, I'm pretty proud of what I do and how I've become. And it hasn't been all me. Been, you know, my 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 late father, who was uh, one of my best friends when he died, my mom and I, I have no um no wife, no kids, and no brothers or sisters. So it's kind of made me who I am, self-sufficient, uh, selfless in a way, caring and kind. And, you know, it's gotten me this far. So why would I kind of step away from that? But I will be honest, since you asked. You know, social media is an odd thing. I, I started, you know, Facebook. I only had a face. Excuse me. I've only had a Facebook for about three or four years. I never wanted to get into that because it seemed so, you know, fake. So, so yeah. many smoke yeah. and smoke and mirrors. You can take, you know, everybody. Everything is sunshine and rainbows on social media. Everybody's got a good marriage. Uh, everybody's kids are good. Nobody's, you know, an alcoholic. Nobody is rude. Nobody's a thief. You know, everything is exactly how you want it to be. And I made a, a Facebook as a bet with a girl I, I dated years ago. I said, listen, uh, she wanted me to make a Facebook for some odd reason. I go, listen, if, if, you're, luck, if you're lucky enough to make it to a third date with me, totally kidding, I'll make a Facebook page. And we actually went on four dates and I haven't seen or talked to her since. And so here we are. I got a Facebook page from that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, she's probably still following you on like she probably stalks you on Facebook. That's why she wanted it. <laughs> it. Just stands to reason. That's what Facebook is for, right? I know we're we're Snapchat friends, and we, what we do is, and Nate, you'll like this. We send you know Snapchats of our cats, and you know I love the, that the woods, and I have a, a big hunk of land back behind me. I'm off my deck at home. So hey, Chris, I, you mentioned uh, playing baseball and football. Uh, which I can relate to, but what, which one was you, what, do you prefer? Uh, base, baseball. Absolutely. I, uh, I got a uh, varsity letter for football, baseball, and track. It was really good at the high jump where you run and you, you go backwards over yep. the, over the bar, mm -hmm. but I didn't start, I didn't start track until I was in 10th grade. When you say track, you think of, you know, running and relay races. And, uh, I'm, I'm almost six foot four, you know, <laughs> two, like 200 pounds, something like that. And so running, is it my thing? I don't like to run. I can, you know, so running at a bar and jumping backwards over it was, was the best, but you know, I found mo the most success uh, with baseball. I played football since I was a little boy, probably uh, fifth or sixth grade. And when I got to high school, you know, I, I was never any good at football. I wasn't, I never started. I mean, I scored a touchdown or two in the homecoming game my senior year, but, uh, and that was it. So football, I never try and make it out like I'm some, you know, fantastic gifted athlete. I was really bad at football. I tried real hard. I showed up to every practice, but, you know, coaches never put me in. So baseball uh, is what I enjoy. And now as you get older, I'm sure you guys can, uh, you know, agree with me here, you know, playing baseball transitions to beer league softball with your friends and you yes, have a wife, you have a wife and kids and Hey honey, I'm going to sneak out for a couple hours. Cause me and the boys are, you know, playing down the street. So softball and baseball, it's like riding a bike that will never leave you. We can't play tackle mm -hmm. football at the age of 40. We'll just, just go to the hospital right away. <laughs> Yeah, unless you're a kicker or Tom Brady. Right. Chris, what position did you play? Uh, in, in football, I was a wide receiver. In baseball, I was left field and a third base. Played the hot corner. You didn't, I've you never, didn't, I was a at third six, base four, you didn't for like pitch? 12 years. No, I, I never pitched. I, maybe, you know, just around – you know, hanging out when we were kids, but I never officially pitched for any organized sport here. I was never 
afraid of the baseball. You know, people get freaked out and they, you know, they don't want to be put into a position where the uh, there's the baseball is going to be softball, where the ball is going to be coming like right at you. And I've always just got right in there. And I had, I have good range, you know, at my height. And again, when I was a boy on the streets, we would play roller hockey was big in the, like the mid nineties, like 94, 95. And being an only child, I would go home in the basement and I would throw like a racquetball against the wall, cinder block wall as hard as I could and kind of catch it. And cause I like to play goalie, but it, it, come to find out it helped me in baseball just diving and going wherever I can like a fast reaction time let's say man you should have grown up here we would have been best friends that's like you literally described my childhood I played third base too like most of my career in baseball there's a reason they call it the hot corner because if you like your ankles you better be really 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 good with your glove because if you're not man your ankles are going to be bruised for like the entirety of a season absolutely and I made I've made some mistakes. I mean, I'm not going to show you on a live broadcast, but my my <laughs> left foot, my left foot, I have two toes that are like mangled. Just get they've been broken so many times, just getting you know, slammed with a baseball or a softball. Oh. I, I can literally take my one toe and just bend it completely sideways. It's really weird. Not no pain. Ah, yeah, no, I played no. I played center field my entire baseball career because I was the opposite. I wanted to be as far away from the ball. I wanted to track it in the air. You know, I wanted to control the situation. Yeah, like put your put your mitt here, and I'll hit the ball right to it. Sure. Yes. That doesn't football, stop injuries. Look at Griffey. But he still, was like Spider Man. He was jumping yeah. all over the wall. No, believe and, me, you know, believe diving. me. You uh, playing outfield, you get injured in different ways. That's because true. Because I never had, I never had like a a mid level of effort. So I mean, anything that was anywhere anywhere possible to dive for, that was like my favorite thing. So I would dive, and I mean, I pulled rotator cuffs. I got concussions doing that. So in football, I, like, I didn't like tackling or being tackled. So I didn't last very long. We're getting some honesty out of Scott here, boy. <laughs> I didn't like any, uh, I didn't want to interact much. So I just played left field. I can be left alone. Out there. <laughs> so Chris, growing up uh, in Detroit, you know, in the eighties and nineties for someone like myself from a very rural, small town in Western Pennsylvania, that seems intimidating as hell. Um, can you kind of take me through that a little bit? Like, what was it like growing up there? How was your home life? How, how were, you know, high school? And like, what did you end up doing afterwards and transition to? Sure. Well, I, as I said, I was born in 84. I'm not going to take you all the way back. We'd like, again, we'd be here all night, but uh, I I have the same group of friends that I've had since I, we met in first grade. So awesome. you fast forward now, we've been friends about 30 years, Mike, Kirk, uh, and Alex. They're all three are married. All three just had their second kids. And, and here's me, you know, no kids, not married, but there's no, there's no handbook here. I don't have to do, you know, the, the social norms, let's say, but, you know, so school was great. If you can tell me, you know, you, you, in elementary school, same group of friends, and then you all travel to middle school together, and then you all go to high school together. I think it, it kind of makes things easier. I've always, it, you know, the, the fact that people say, well, I moved around a lot and I was, I never had a group of friends that's foreign to me. And I feel no, and no fault of their own. You kind of feel for them, especially, you know, in my position or any of you that have this, have had the same friends girls or guys for you know 10 15 20 years you know friendship on that level is that that's just not happening anymore because of social media and kids aren't going outside anymore uh when it when it snows in my neighborhood no one 
knocks on the door and says, hey, can we do your, you know, your nobody's outside doing anything. Everybody's inside. So, you know, my 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 childhood was fantastic. My parents, uh, the you know, my, my late father died a few years ago, uh, colon cancer, only child and him and my mother, uh, you know, they would have been married. Uh, you know, they would have been those couples that like celebrate a 75th wedding mm -hmm. anniversary. They were, you know, married, I think 35 years, uh, the year my, my father died. So my home life was fantastic. My dad worked, my mom worked, they both had, you know, a good paying jobs later in life. I do remember, you know, in the early to mid nineties, about 92 to 95, uh, my mother was the only one working. My dad was a carpenter and something happened at the job site and he was he was let go. So it was rough times for a few years. But it kind of again, that, that kind of thing builds character. It hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows. But what it did lead to is my father, you know, he loved to collect sports cards, baseball, hockey. And so at a young age, him and I would go to card shows together. And then when he was unemployed for a few years, he started, you know, uh, setting up tables at card shows. So I was able to spend full weekends, wow. you know, at a trade center, at a card show. Right. So uh, it was fantastic. And then when he died, you know, I inherited his lifelong collection of sports cards, which I'm still going through every day. You know, I'll find a new gem there. And in high school, what was it was fantastic. As I said, you have the same group of friends. Uh, mm -hmm. You like to play sports. So that automatically, uh, I think, would would you know, vault you into, you know, popularity, you know, like being popular and, you know, you're, you're you know, you're a good athlete, you get tall. I don't know. I don't know how things are nowadays, but again, uh, never, you know, it, it was, it was awesome. It was a typical childhood to me, but I, again, I know in today's day and age, things are so much different. Parents are, are divorcing, you know, your, your mom and dad get divorced and then your mom marries a woman or your dad marries a dad, which is fantastic. You know, whatever you can do to be happy. But back then in the late eighties, you know, and all the way through the nineties, you know, you know, parents, that, that's what they did. They stayed married no matter what they worked it out. They weren't, you know, quick to say, well, uh, the grass is green or, you know, the, the neighbor is, you know, hotter. Who knows what happened? But uh, so my childhood and my upbringing was fantastic. I don't have any any complaints there. Yeah, it's a different world now. <clears throat> like I can. I, I, so I was born in 82. So like, yeah, it was a different like I remember that as a kid, man. It was like we played until the sun went down in the summer. Like we're out there playing baseball, basketball, football, hockey until 830, 845 at night with no supervision, like no parents God. around just yelling, like, okay, it's time to come inside. And then half the time we'd all go to one house and hang out. Yes. I mean, and that was just how my, my childhood was spent outdoors. I know I play like no video games. Me too. I was born, uh, Nate, I was born in April in 1984. So, you know, the, the 87, 88, I, obviously I was a boy. I don't remember, but 91, 92. So I would say, you know, my youth and my upbringing would start in like 1990 when I was like yeah. six years old. And it was, yeah, it was phenomenal. It was fantastic. And again, I have to realize, uh, you know, especially on social media with, with you know, because everybody's talking fantasy football in the draft. I think it would it would help people if they realize that we all have different opinions and that's OK. What I think is normal and right, someone else might think is crazy and outlandish and, and vice versa here. So we all have to be more you know, understanding. And that's that's in a perfect world. And that's, you know, to find more understanding, you might as well just talk about world peace because I don't I don't ever see it happen. And that's unfortunate. So, Chris, after high school, 
Um, t- take me through those years from the time you graduated high school up until the time you started making content. And, and when was that, that you really started to dive into the fantasy industry? Well, uh, I went to Oakland University uh, degree in communications. I had a radio show all four years in, in college. No, awesome. it, was, it was a, a nice university. I mean, here in Michigan, you have the, the big dogs, you know, Michigan, mm-hmm. Michigan State, Central, Western, Eastern. And then there was lowly Oakland University, which has, you know, gotten massive uh, in today. I When I go back to campus, I don't even recognize it here. And after that, just a bunch of whatever, no name jobs, Comcast, you know, doing cable and everything. And then uh, the the content thing was strange to me because that same group of friends I was telling you about, we had our first fantasy draft in 1995. We didn't know what we were doing. We were in fifth grade, you know, right before you go to middle school. And we sat around with a notebook, a pen, and we just, you know, picked, pick names. Well, you go, I go, and then we'll start over again. And we had to, I, they, they deemed me the, you know, the commissioner. And I didn't even know it at the time where I would write it down on Sunday. My father and I would watch football, you know, all day on Sunday. And then he would leave, he left early for work. So he would leave the Detroit free press on the kitchen table for me. Cause that's how I would, you know, I would ch- have to check the box scores to kind of see, well, you know, I drafted Barry and I drafted Favre and he had Herman Moore and Emmett Smith and, so that's how I, you know, calculated the, the the points here. So in terms of when I started to do content, I've always been, you know, a, 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 I've always had a pen in my hand. I've always had some sort of paper or sticky note or construction paper. But back then I was more into, you know, drawing cartoons and trying to make my own comic books. And I never really considered, you know, writing uh, as as a career choice or writing as a hobby, when you say, "Well, yeah, I got this this paper to write for for school or class," it's like it's exhausting. It's a, such a big undertaking to say, you know, I have to. You're gonna you like writing? You're gonna do it for fun? That sounds that sounds crazy. You know, writing is you know you it goes hand in hand with you know being you know, putting it off, being a procrastinator and doing it last minute. But I'd like to think I started, you know, wanting to get into writing and created content in probably 2012, 2013, when uh, DFS was created, Daily Fantasy Sports, FanDuel and DraftKings. Because back then in 2012, uh, I don't remember what job I had, but I know I was, I was on the road a lot going, you know, an hour to work and an hour back and they would just hammer home. You want to win on FanDuel? We'll match your 50%, you know, all that, you know, (laughs) all that nonsense. And it just got stuck in my brain. And I said, you know, this is fun. I've been playing, you know, seasonal or dynasty fantasy football for damn near 20 years at that point. I go, how hard could this be? You know, you know, having 60,000 fictitious dollars and, you know, at the time, CJ Spiller was $8,000 or, you know, Drew, Bre- Drew Brees was $10,000. Oh, Spiller. So I have a just jersey. I have an autograph card. I really love CJ Spiller for some odd reason. But I love CJ, man. Yeah. yeah. I've wow. always... I know for a fact, I've always been like a strategic thinker. And I think it started at an early age when you're playing baseball. Hey, uh, this next guy up, he's left-handed. And last time he hit a bloop over first base. So when this guy comes up, maybe shade over and shift over and then I'll cover behind you. So there's always, you know, uh, like a strategy there. And I looked at at DFS the same way. Well, if I spend, you know, 10,000 on breeze here, uh, then I'm not going to be able to spend too much for a running back. And then I'll probably have to, you know, punt or fade a wide receiver, which in 2012, 
those terms didn't even exist. They kind of just yeah. happen. They kind of happen through time. So again, in my profile, I for some I, all this time, uh, I I just added strategic thinker because I, I I you know in a bio on a Facebook or even LinkedIn or Facebook, you know your bio. It, it, I, I don't think it's that serious, but it's it, what introduces you to anybody that just maybe stumbles upon your page and they're like, what's, what's this guy about? He's, mm-hmm. he's like this, he's got the shades on, he thinks he's Hollywood, who knows, but your bio is what introduces you and how can you fit what, how can you fit everything that you are in 140 or 160 characters? So you have to be, you know, wise and come up with, I don't want to say buzzwords, but you have to come up with, with a statement that best suits you and strategic thinker is me. I I've been doing it since I was a, a small boy playing football, you know, playing, you know, tackle football in the backyard. And that's, that's the idea behind my content. Because again, 2012, 2013, uh, what you see in front of you now in terms of, of content and social media, it, it didn't exist. It, there, it, Twitter was not even a thought on, on a piece of paper. LinkedIn wasn't a thing. I believe Facebook was just getting started there, but I had to get an outlet. And at the time, you know, I'm sorry to to bore you guys here, but I, I've told the story a ton of times where I reached out to so many websites, so many big time names at the time. And nobody got back to me. I was left here holding my hat, you know, crickets mm-hmm. or, or that John Travolta mean from Pulp Fiction, where he's like, there, there's nobody around. So I said, you know what? You have a whole note. You've been taking notes for two seasons now. You know your way around, you know, the, the pricing, like the back of your hand. Why don't you kind of create your own thing? And it was through, I, I did, again, I told you I didn't have a Facebook page at the time. Did Twitter wasn't even existed. Snapchat wasn't a thing. So it only came about from, you know, coworkers and my close family and friends. They said, hey, Chris was the go-to guy. Call him. He, he does this. He knows what he's doing. And everybody said, yeah, I know what expensive high price studs to to start who who are those cheap guys that nobody's mm-hmm. thinking of those guys that will that are the boomer bust kind of guys who are those players that you can put in your lineup and boom it'll shoot me right to the top for 5 grand 3 grand something like that so 2012 is when the, the idea of bottom of the barrel was born and I'll be honest with you as I sit here now almost 8 o'clock eastern time uh I I can honestly tell you I haven't seen anything like bottom of the barrel in terms of an article in terms of content to this day and I'm not trying to, uh, you know, gas myself up. I'm just saying it's that I find it to be uh, it's a priceless kind of article. If you want to play DFS or if you want to get into, you know, kind of playing big money or getting in, in big tournaments here. And it, obviously this last year or the year before, you know, everybody has you can go anywhere and you can pay for an optimizer. Mm-hmm. You can go anywhere to pay for a premium package or you right. can me- you can message anybody and they'll send you their line. They'll charge you five bucks for a line per day, but they're not going to hold up if you don't have your own process. Mm-hmm. You can it's like cheating on a test. And then when you, you get the job that you want, you well, you don't know anything because you didn't study. You didn't ace that test. You copied right. your paper. So I find bottom of the barrel to be you know indispensable. I've read it just real quick while we're talking about your content. Your content is like almost second to none. Like it's exceptional. Your writing, your analytics, like you can tell that you've put the work in and you know what you're talking about. It's impressive. I still suck at DFS despite it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But but I'm working on getting better and I'm going to keep reading your stuff. Um, So so I've got a question for you. 
So obviously this isn't, this isn't your necessarily your quote unquote day job. Um, I know that you work with kids and people with special needs. I'd like to know a little bit more about that. I think that that's one of the more fascinating things about you that I've always respected about you. Cause that's not easy work to do. Like yeah, yeah. it can't be, and it's, it's gotta be fulfilling and heartbreaking all at the same time. I'm sure. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like kind of like, I guess I want to know how you got into doing that. I'm, Absolutely. I'm a little curious. Well, it, you have. To, I'd have to go back a few years when uh, I applied for a job. I, I have always wanted to get into uh, some sort of therapy, not not a, not psychiatry, because that's like not, that's almost like a doctor. And it's not that I I don't have the smarts to do that. I think I just don't have the the discipline, or else I would have gone to medical school. I mean, anybody, you know. Well, I wish I could do that, but nobody takes a a, a long hard look at themselves, and mm-hmm. I don't have the discipline to do medical school or get into psychiatry, but. But uh, I, I wanted to be into therapy in, in some way. And I, I looked at drug and alcohol counselors, you know, working with uh, alcoholics or, or drug addicts in some way. And I got a job at a at a treat in an inpatient treatment facility, you know, where you would come in and you would you would detox and then you would be there for a residential program for about 30 days. And I did that for about two years and talk about, you know, soul crushing, you know, you would work, you know, one-on-one with someone for the length of their stay. And this was probably 2017 when not, not to bring the show down, it's just, you know, realistic. And it's my life when, you know, uh, the fentanyl was big in the, in the opiates and the heroin and they were mixing it into the pills and nobody knew it. And that people were, unfortunately people were, you know, they were dropping like flies, you know, trying to get stoned, trying to get high. Uh, you, some, you just can't help it. You know, is that's a conversation for another time. Are you born with the alcoholic or drug addict uh, kind of gene or are, is it taught? Are, are you self-taught with that? But so I would work with people in an inpatient facility for, for a month, sometimes a month and a half. They would, they would graduate on a Sunday or a Monday and I would come back to my office Monday morning and, oh, hey, did, did you hear? Uh, John Doe passed away. He, he overdosed and he died, you know, an hour or two after he graduated and went home. The first few, it was, it was awful. I didn't know how to handle it, but that's, I didn't know how to handle it. So I kind of, I stuffed it down. I, I didn't really care. And I just move on because one or two people die. Well, I have a whole classroom of, of people to teach that want to hear what I have to say. They want to get sober. They want to get better. And then day, every day for about a month, someone, you know, had passed away. And again, I didn't deal with it. And before I knew what was going on, uh, I wasn't sleeping at night. I was taking, you know, uh, sleeping medication. I was taking benzodiazepines and I couldn't sleep. So I had to self-medicate to kind of put myself to bed. And one day I, I woke up and said, what do you do? What have you become? I, I would, you know, my eyes were, you know, bags under my eyes. I was losing weight. And I, this is a real honest look at myself. That's what I had to do. And I don't mind talking about it with you guys. Cause again, as we said in the beginning, those things have made me who I am today. And I wouldn't change those, what I did for the world here. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had to leave, I had to leave there. And again, I had big aspirations of moving up in the, in the, in the, uh, not industry, but move up, move up in the company. It was a big name kind of, uh, you know, inpatient rehab. And I just couldn't do it anymore because I had turned into the same exact people I was trying to help. So if I was, 
you know, not in my in my right mind. How can I help other people? It's the old saying, if your cup is is empty, how are you going to refill somebody else's, I think, as the saying goes. So mm-hmm. um, I left there. Uh, I sought, you know, treatment of my own. It was more, you know, support meetings. And it, I picked it up really quick because I wanted to get better and, and come to find out when I when I was sleeping seven or eight hours a day, when I wasn't around, you know, all that chaos, I got better pretty quickly. I got better quickly. I mean, every day I have to, to do my readings. I have to talk with people, like-minded people. But I, I, I had an in at uh, a friend of mine who's, who was a case manager at a, um, like, a, it, it's called like uh, community mental health. I, you had an in there, so I applied. And fast forward, uh, I started working with mentally impaired adults, and it led to coaching Special Olympics. And uh, there's no heartbreak involved, Nate. I know you you mentioned that. Like it, it's all fulfilling because these these adults, uh, some of, some are underage, but 16, 17 years old. But it's it's just all fulfilling because it's how can I say this without sounding like a jerk, but it's almost envious, you know, the, the way these people live because there's, uh, there's really no responsibility and they kind of live day to day. They don't, they're not stressed about, you know, uh, some, they're not stressed about an appointment next week. They're not stressed about buying Christmas gifts. They're just, they live for today and whatever they can do, you know, the, the, the Red Wings are on. I want to watch, you know, every, they're, they're just completely immersed in their day to day routine. And I find that very admirable because I, I'm sure all of us here, we're, we're, there's something in each one of our minds right now that we're putting off, or there's something in each one of our minds right now that we're, we're not looking forward to. There's something in each one of our lives that we're kind of, you know, stressed out about. And like I said, we're not looking forward to, and imagine, you know, that, that doesn't exist. And they're, they're very happy. They're kind, their families are happy and kind. And it's just, it, it's just great. And talk about polar opposites from the, the, the tr- alcohol and treatment center to where I am now, you know, working in, behavioral therapy and, and helping people and helping, you know, th- not only the, the the consumer, but their families reach uh, new heights, goals, you know, things like that. So uh, it, it's night and day to me. And again, I, I'm a big proponent on uh, things happen how they things happen how they're supposed to. I mean, we have a, we have a little bit of, you know, say so we can nudge things along. But of the whole, I think things happen how they're supposed to. And there, there's something out there. I'm not a religious person, but I'm spiritual. And I believe there's something out there that kind of, you know, helps us and nudges us along. And we get put in situations that, uh, we we either figure it out or we kind of go backwards. So are you a part of the the solution or part of the problem? That's how I look at it. Yeah, Chris, I just have to say, listening to all that, um, a lot of respect for for both of those worlds and you choosing to enter into them and, and try and help. I mean, addiction, mental health. I mean, because you know, people don't people don't go into that world for the money. That's it's no. not. It's not necessarily your lucrative, high-paying job, but I mean, you mentioned being a counselor at a 30-day inpatient treatment program, and I really respect that because I was I was the patient in one of those in 2008. Right at the end of 2008, I spent Christmas at a rehab center. 2000 2008, um, but man, did I you know, and I and and I really wanted to get better, and I had so much respect for the dude that would sit with me every day. Um, you know, watch me go through the, you know, the withdrawals and all that stuff in the beginning. Um, and just like, you know, 
showed that he cared about me and my existence. It was so I, I, I have I have tons of respect for that. Um, and yeah, I mean, since I got here, it's, you know, I, I just see a lot of similarities between you and I in a lot of ways. Um, but beating that drum of let's be honest and talk about this stuff. This is a part of everybody's lives. Um, you know, you made the you made the comparison. Would you go back and fix things or take the money? It's the money. It's it's the money because all that stuff that I at one point maybe thought I needed to fix. That's me. That's my baggage. Um, I would be a completely different person without that baggage. You know, and mistakes don't have to be this like terrible negative thing. You know, mistakes. And I thought that for so long to where I would just stand in quicksand and not even try anything because I did not want to screw up. So, and I mean, speaking of the, speaking of mistakes, I noticed that you had, I, I missed it, unfortunately, but you had set up one of those clubhouse sessions to talk about mistakes um, and talk about the importance of mistakes and, and being able to admit to them. So um, one question, do you have any like big time mistake that stands out that you really learned from? And then what's just your general viewpoint on, on that whole, that whole mindset and attitude of being able to recognize and learn from them and treat them as lessons as opposed to negativity. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I, I've yet to tell anybody, especially on social media, you know, that I, I'm in recovery, you know, I, I went through something and here I am, but you know, again, I just, things happen for a reason when the time is right. And when you sent me the, you know, the Google doc and I looked at this, I said, you know, when I do broadcasts all the time with other people, there's a right time, there's a wrong time, you know, people kid around and say, you know, read the room here. Uh, and we can do, we can always go one of two ways. We can be kind, or excuse me, we can be lighthearted or we can get heavy and, and be serious and have a, a an adult conversation, let's say. Because again, as I, as I was mentioning to you guys before, you know, Seth, you know, clicked it live that, we do things and sometimes we do things and we don't know why they're doing them. I'm the guy who kind of fixates on why do people make the decisions they do me first and foremost, what you guys do uh, not to be rude. And maybe you'll agree what you guys do. It's really none of my business. What you guys say about me or what you guys say about each other is not my business. Because again, if I'm not right, if within right here, how am I going to be, you know, help to anybody else, my, my mother or you guys or anybody that's, that's, asking me uh, for advice here. And in terms of the mistakes I've made, again, we're going to need, this is going to have to be a potathon for, you know, 1770 days here. There's a lot of, of little, little ones, you know, again, it, it's all fun and games where, you know, you, someone says a meme and there's a, a pink, uh, hippo dancing around in someone's head and it says that's me at like three in the morning but I, I've made a ton of of little mistakes a few big ones but here I am alive and well I'm not locked up I'm not in the grave I'm not institutionalized but my biggest thing is and I've worked on it so much probably the hardest thing that I that I've ever had to work on and I still do it every day that's judging a book by its cover and that we learn that kind of thing in early on in our childhood you learn that stuff in first grade kindergarten treat others how you want to be treated and don't judge a book by its cover and I have to do that every day and sometimes given my mood or, or given how I feel that day it, it's always fun to go people watch and you go to Walmart or you go to the grocery store and go oh look at that lady she's 500 pounds in a motorized you know there's a time and place certain things you say out loud and certain things you don't but as it stands now I used to be uh, a jerk 
you know, God's honest truth. You know, in high school, when you're boys and you're fooling around, you just sit around and you roast each other and you make fun of each other. But as it stands now in my life, again, as I told you, I want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. So what do I, what do I personally gain Scott by saying, Oh, Seth and Nate, you have this fat. So on your couch, you know, I, why would I make fun of people like that right. and put people down? There's no, there's no personal gain. The only thing you're doing is hurting your own character, hurting your own reputation. And again, I wish, you know, people would kind of take this thing to heart. You know, they would take an honest, a long, hard, honest look at themselves and they would come out, you know, better for it at the end. But it's, it's that, that hard work, that deep, dark, nasty, cold basement kind of work that people don't want to do. And that's fine. Again, who am I to judge? Who am I to tell somebody what to do? Things happen for a reason. People will, certain things will happen along your life or on a day-to-day basis, week-to-week basis that will change you. That stuff kind of shapes you. And I can't force I can't force Scott to go anywhere, Seth. I can't force you to stop wearing your glasses. Nate, I can't force you to stop wearing your headphones. When you decide that you want to do these things, you will. When the pain is great enough, you will change. And that's the best way I can probably uh, describe it here. So uh, again, millions and millions of mistakes, but the biggest one that I keep making, and I, I make that same mistake every day, but I know what I'm doing and I try I actively try to help myself and correct it. And that's all we can do. I'm, pr- I'm sure I'm going to make mistakes tomorrow in terms of, you know, how I'm living or, or what I'm doing. I have a lot of character defects and the, my, my biggest strong, my biggest strong point right now isn't that I'm, I, I'm able to be open and honest on a broadcast. My biggest strength is, and I'm good at DFS and my articles are very good. Those are just, you know, byproducts of me being right within and doing things, you know, starting over every day. Chris, I, I really appreciate that authenticity um, even showing here, man. I mean, what, what we're about here at In Between Media is, you know, we all go through things in life, whether it's our own self-doing, whether it's, you know, just a byproduct of life itself and things in the hand we, we've we been dealt. So, um, you know, it, seeing that personal growth that y- you've had and, and, you know, I'm the same way, man. I Definitely in high school, I was a jerk. You know, I came from a rural, predominantly conservative area and I didn't know any better about a lot of things. And, you know, you go, you go to college, you go wherever you go, and you meet people and they help shape you. So you definitely, you know, I, I can tell your family, your friends, they definitely help shape you um, throughout this journey. And uh, I, I'm really happy and proud to be sitting with you, uh, the man you are today. So congratulations to, to, to who you are today. Thank you, Seth. And that's, uh, I guess that that's the best thing, you know, that that's what I take to heart. When I go to bed tonight, when I put my head on my pillow, you know, years ago, I I wouldn't be able to sleep. I would be so worried. My heart would be beating out of my chest because I was waiting to, for, for things to catch up to me. I was waiting for, you know, someone to realize the, you know, the lie that I told them or the, the, the money I borrowed that I wasn't going to pay back. And, you know, your conscious is all over the place and you sleep too. It's a vicious cycle. Then you wake Mm -hmm. up the next day and you repeat that behavior. But through, uh, you know, a lot of help from other people, a lot of my own hard work every night when I go to bed, uh, I I sleep like a baby. I fall not to, you know, bum you guys out, but I I literally fall asleep in two minutes when I get in bed. I'm just out and I sleep (laughs) like a rock. And that's because I've, I've, I'm self-aware about, you know, 
what I've done and who I am and how I can kind of change this thing on a day-to-day, minute-to-minute basis here. And again, if you're, uh, we all have different things. We all have different ways of living. We all have different circumstances. But at the end of the day, at the end of the night, when you lay in bed, can you honestly close your eyes when you're alone by yourself? Can you honestly say to yourself, uh, I did the best I could today and I'm not worried about it. Things are going to be okay. If you can say yes, then, uh, then God love you. So uh, if you mm-hmm. don't, then you just start over again in the morning. That's another thing I've learned. You know, it's, it's eight 15, uh, Eastern time here. I'm, I'm able to start my day over at any time. You know, mm-hmm. some people you wake up at uh, seven 30 and you go to work, you spill coffee all over your shirt on the way, on the way to work. And you, you know, people are so miserable, but they don't know better. They let that ruin their day. Well, yeah. when I get to work, you know, I'm going to make a fresh cup of coffee. I'll joke about it. And I, I'm starting over right then and there. So there's no harm in, in saying, I, 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 I don't like how my day has gone so far. So I'm allowed to make an ex- executive decision and I'm going to start my day over right here. That's, uh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. I love that. That's great. I've gotten to that point probably in the last like eight months, nine months, and definitely large part of that has been this fantasy football Twitter community and the friends that I've made and Seth and Scott and Gary and some of the people who've been in the chat have been like Toronto Dave without him. I, he has helped me immensely. Like he's, he's just, it, and it's such a, we have such a great community of people that some of them, we have some really like pretty nasty people around but the majority of us just want what you want to say what you're saying. Like, you know what, at the end of the day, like you did the best you could. And as long as you didn't do something to intentionally hurt someone, hopefully you can lay down, lay your head on your pillow, go to sleep knowing you did the best you could. And tomorrow's a new day. And that's just, that's such a beautiful way to think about life. Yeah. I have a quick question for you, Chris, just because we seem to share, you know, similarities in our story, but I agree that, Thinking back like to when I was basically living a life of not being able to keep up with the lies I was telling, yeah. you know, where you'd accidentally say the wrong lie, you get them mixed up. It's exhausting. Be, it, oh my. It is exhausting. Yeah. I, and I mean, I was similar too. like when I first got here in November, I wasn't like, well, I'm going to go tell everybody I'm a recovering addict. That's the first thing I'm going to do on Twitter. No, that's you know not what? my opening statement. Hey, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm in recovery and <laughs> yeah, this yeah, yeah. Is what it is. Kind of comes, um, kind you know, of comes out way. in your character. That's just the, the way it went. Um, but man, look, looking at it now, just how much easier everything is when you're just honest about stuff. It's just, it's having been on both sides of it is just, it's amazing to me how, like you said, just sleeping like a baby. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, there, there's a, I find that there to be a thin line too, uh, with being open and honest, you have to, you know, realize what kind of, uh, where you are. Like if I went into like some big money, again, these are just hypotheticals. Uh, if I went into like a big money kind of interview, I wouldn't open with that. Yeah. I would say, you know, I would be, you know, professional and th- these, this is what I do. And this is why you've asked me to interview here. But, you know, you don't, again, you don't open with that kind of thing through time. You let it, you let it happen and you let you go from there. You learn so many good things and I, even corny cliches like, uh, uh, live and let live or, you know, uh, kiss, uh, you know, th- those little acronyms that you learn in recovery, keep it simple, stupid. That's what kiss means, right? You, mm-hmm. 
you know, you can say that stuff, but there, and then there's a line with being, you know, brutally honest, right? If I'm always going to be open and honest, that's, uh, that's how I've built what I have now being open and honest with people and, and being willing to, to like put myself out there and share everything I've done and what I've been through both the good and the bad, because again, uh, what, I, what are we ultimately trying to do? Build relationships and help other people succeed, help other people learn and grow too. It's like, I can only, this is a big one too, Scott. I can only keep what I have by giving it away. And the more that you look at that and you break it down at first, you might think, well, that's stupid. If you, what you have, why wouldn't you not want to keep all of it? And you could become, you know, like a Dragon Ball Z guy, you know, but (laughs) if I keep, if I keep it, it's, I'm not benefiting anybody else. If I keep it, you know, I just be, you know, a selfish jerk. So by giving what I have away, I can other people can share in the growth. Other people can share in the, in the shine or the luster limelight or whatever other, you know, terms you want to say here. So by that way, you're building, you know, such a bigger thing. Cause what I got going, it, yeah, it's fantastic. I like what I'm doing, but I want it. I want to impact and interact with other people. The moment I stop, uh, you know, sharing or being open and honest is the day that I start declining and going back to what I used to be. If I can help just one person, that's all I've ever wanted to do. Just help one person. Then we're good here. Then I'm happy with what I've done. And I'm, and I'm, you know, over the moon elated with what I've learned. Cause again, we all learn and take things in at a different clip. We all do things at, at a different pace. As I said earlier in the broadcast, there's no handbook to this. There's nothing that says uh, you have to be married and have your first child by the time you're 25. We're allowed to grow and learn at, at different rates and different paces. What I know might be fantastic, but Scott, what you know might be even better and we can link up and what have we created? We've created just a, like an, a network or an open pipeline, let's say, of, of good stuff, just sharing it back and forth. So I can't stress that enough. Don't keep what you can only keep what you have by sharing it and letting other people know, you know, what you've done and how you got to where you are. That will help just one person. That's all I want to do. Chris, thank you. Thank you for that, man. And and exactly what you've said um, that you just want to help one person. That's what we want to do here in between media. And and just to hear everything you've been saying today and, you know, watching the chat and seeing people really take in what you're saying and and, you know, evaluating themselves and what they can do better and what they do well, that, that means a lot, man. And, and you know, I've told Nate a lot, you know, in this industry, you know, obviously we have to be concerned about clicks and followers and things like that, because that's what makes money at the end of the day. But I've always told Nate, I've told Scott, and I've, I've told everyone here at In Between Media, my mission when I started this company nine months ago to the day was I want to help one person be a better person. Because you know, I, I've been through some dark times in my life early on. And, you know, the person who helped me was Matthew Barry, whether he knows it or not, he'll probably never know it. But, you know, reading his work and his his book and his columns, that's what made me a better person. It's what helped get me through. So thank you so much for everything you said. Nate, Scott, thank you as well for opening up. Um, I do want to, you know, there's really no easy way to to hard transition into fantasy football after such a great discussion, but I'm going to do my best now to do that. Well, this again, we're learning, we're learning as we go and you're learning on the fly here. So next time you, someone opens up or when Nate or Scott open up next time, you'll, you'll have already seen it coming and the transition. will be seamless though. 
Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so with fantasy football and the season, you know, it is the off season, obviously. I know a lot of people are taking it easy here in between media and a lot of people in this industry. This is really our go time. Uh, free agency, we're you know, a little over a week away from the day. Um, super exciting. Franchise tags came out uh, yesterday. So we have a lot of news to break down. Exciting or not exciting? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless you're Allen Robinson, for sure. Um, not exciting for Allen Robinson. No, man. not at all. Not, not at all. all. But so, hey, you know, you never know. They could, you know, tag and, and trade. I mean, people that's said that's what was going to happen to Kenny G, and they the Lions just said, you know what? Uh, thanks for everything, and see ya. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so how I want to break this down, and how I want to break down free agency is we are going to project players to their destination. And we're going to be do the, doing that by playing uh, a segment we often play here in between media called Headline Hijinks. <laughs> what we're going to do in Headline Hijinks today is we're basically going to be writing a headline as if it was after free agency. So this is something that we think we could read in a newspaper or you know see online about a player going to a certain destination. Um, Scott, you want to kick it off for us, man? Sure. So I, you told us to be kind of silly. So the AFC South gets another Henry Hunter on his way to Indianapolis. Man, so I, I was thinking about it. There's been lots of um, lots of tight end talk. And real quick, I just wanted to talk about that. I see people. You know, you see it every now and then where it's, oh, if you don't have Kelsey Waller or Kittle, then you might as well just give up or then it doesn't matter and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, look, there's seven to what? Um, seven to nine to 13 other teams in your league, depending on size that need tight ends. So yeah, I'm going to overanalyze it. I have won and lost plenty of fantasy games by a point or less. So I'm going to go ahead and look at each position while it's still on the on the roster. Anyway, my little soapbox moment. Um, so I could see Hunter Henry going to the Colts, um, he's a free agent. He wasn't tagged. Carson Wentz also went to the Colts and there's been a lot of recency bias and quick reaction to the year of 2020 and how Carson Wentz fared in that year. But what I did to look at this to see, you know, speculate a little bit on, well, what would it look like if Hunter Henry was catching passes from Carson Wentz with that offensive line and that offense in Indianapolis. And so I did a little bit of comparing and, Carson or Hunter Henry is 6'5, 250. Um, Zach Ertz, 6'5, 250. And Hunter Henry's younger and a little bit faster. And I'm not trying to say that they're the exact same player, but they have some very similar characteristics. And before last year, people might have forgotten because Zach Ertz only played 11 games and didn't really do much. Before last year, Ertz was up in that conversation with those stud tight ends. I mean, I'm looking at his stats here. You know, in 2018, 156 targets, 116 catches, you know, almost 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. I mean, that is tight end one category or territory. So, again, I, I try to avoid direct comparisons. I try to just kind of forecast a little bit what's possible in, when it comes to free agency. Um, but I could see him going there. I mean, the Colts are in a really good spot cap-wise. They've got a lot of cap room. But Jack Doyle is going to be 31 when the season starts, Mr. Baby Hands. Um didn't really have much of a year last year, um, and they could, even though they don't necessarily need to free up cap space, they could free up about $4 million with the dead cap hit that um, cutting Doyle would would give them. 
Mo Alleycox set a career high in receptions last year, targets last year with all of 39. Yeah. So I think I think tight end is a need for the Colts. Um, I with Wentz, you know, you got you got the camp that thinks 2020 is what he is now. You've got the camp that thinks 2017 is what he's going to be. I like to keep it. You'll like this, Seth. In between, you know, there's 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 a middle ground. It doesn't have to be one or the other, right? It doesn't have to be. Right. He's terrible or he's Super Bowl. He can be in the middle, and that can be very helpful for the fantasy weapons around him. So Hunter Henry to the Colts is my pick. I don't hate. I really don't hate that. I mean, it, it does make I'm sense glad. to me. It, may, it makes sense to me. It makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, obviously the Chargers, um, they did not franchise him when they had the opportunity to. So it'll be exciting to see where Hunter Henry lands. Um, the Colts would definitely be a great destination for him, Scott. Chris, you, you got a headline hijinks for us, man. I absolutely do. And again, uh, this is supposed to be fun and lighthearted here. So as a, a Detroiter and Alliance fan, my headline is as follows. The pride grows large and in charge. The Detroit Lions add Corey Davis and Curtis Samuel to a hungry Ooh. wide receiver core. That would, man. Could, uh, and here's my here's my thinking. Will it happen? Probably not. Absolutely not. But if you <laughs> if you sit down and you kind of dig into the numbers here, so you know they signed Terrell Williams for about six million uh, a season, something like that. Here, uh, you know they they were going to tag Kenny G, or they offered him before the 2020 season, I believe, a contract which was like 18 or 20 million per year. So if you look at the the crop of wide receivers now, you know it's not unrealistic to think Corey Davis will command nine or ten million dollars a season, and Curtis Samuel will command almost the same thing, nine or ten million dollars a season. So you, you let Kenny G walk, you thank that your lucky stars that he didn't sign a twenty million dollar a year season, and you could have both guys for the same cost that it would have been giving to Kenny G here. And we all know that the, the Lions need wide receivers big time. They have Quintez and they have Tyrell Williams, and that's it. Marvin's that's it. not coming back. Kenny G is gone. And again, uh, I think the Lions – I don't know what exactly what the Lions' plans are, but I'm, I'm happy and I'm optimistic about it. But personally, I'd like to think that the Lions will address – you know, one or two positions really well headed into the draft. Again, it, hopefully Jared Goff can kind of bridge the gap at quarterback for them. Then, boom, you, you cut that off off your draft needs list. You grab a wide receiver or two like Curtis Samuel or Corey Davis, bam, you can cut wide receivers off there. You don't need a running back. You have Swift. You don't really need a tight end because you have uh, TJ Hawkinson. So now you're able to focus on just the, the entire defensive side of the ball or, you know, pairing some offensive line in with with Ragnow or, or Decker so you cut like a problem shared is a problem cut in half as they say if they're able to address this stuff in free agency then their draft would be you know uh very easily done instead of saying oh my god we we have we need a we have a positional need at every single every single position safety you run the gambit if you can do these things before the draft It'll make your, your 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 two days in April, two, three days at the end of April, very easy. Just focus on one unit. I, I love it, Chris. I think Corey Davis, he was definitely a guy I had on my radar coming into the 2020 season. Um, I mean, he's only 25. I mean, people have right. a really people have a really bad taste in their mouth because he was a top 10 pick in the draft coming into the league. So, you know, people expected big things from him, but you know, 65 receptions, almost a thousand yards here. 
five TDs in 2020. Like he would definitely come in there. I think obviously be the one. I mean, we we've seen him excel being the two under AJ Brown, but you know, right now, like beggars can't be choosers here for Detroit. So sure. I mean, I, I'm with it, man. And everybody, uh, sorry to cut you off. Everybody says, you know, the, the comparison between Stafford and golf is not close. I'd rather have Stafford, you know, by a mile. But that's that's old news. Stafford is gone, and our quarterback right now is Jared Goff. And all I've ever heard is uh, golf. You know, he stinks at the long ball. He doesn't move the the ball down the field like that. Well, that's fine. Why don't you Why don't you add and play to his strengths? You know, you get Cooper Cup always always wandering the middle of the field, and there's been times where Cooper Cup has. 10 receptions mm-hmm. by, by the time the first quarter is over 10 yeah. and receptions by halftime here so who's to say you can't get Corey davis running around in the middle of the field and if you need to take a shot you take a shot and then you add the the swiss army knife and curtis samuel who makes his hay in the middle of the field so you got two guys running routes and if you want to kind of uh you know quintus cephas is tall he's six three six four mm-hmm. something like that so you can kind of trick defenses uh, on a on a week-to-week basis who's who's taking the deep shots is it Corey? is it quintess who knows but you have these kids on the field guys grown men on the field that can kind of help out your quarterback in what he does well if jared golf is awful down the field why would you repetitively have him throwing deep balls 40 50 yard passes it just doesn't make sense and if brad holmes our gm and if uh dan campbell have any sense about them which i think they do this is what they're going to play to their players strengths and just not want them to be players that they're not well and don't forget too when Goff had his best season it was also Gurley's best season and DeAndre Swift is a young, talented back. Absolutely. And you throw in that mm-hmm. dynamic, like that could be really good for Goff. Like, I'm not writing him off. I know a lot of people are. No, I'm not. I'm not. And Jen talked about it on um, the armchair fantasy show with going for two. Like, the thing is, is that Swift is talented. The concussion sucked, but he's going to be back from that. He should be 100% next season. If they can utilize that run game and open things up for Goff, who knows, man? He could have another stellar MVP caliber season. DeAndre Swift is going to be unbelievably good this season. And that's, I mean, if we've, if we can, I mean, again, I don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what the future is like. All we can do is look back at at kind of patterns or splits, things like that. And Anthony Lynn made an absolute superstar out of Austin Eckler. Eckler caught, what did he catch? 110, 111 passes a couple seasons ago. So why wouldn't we think that Anthony Lynn and the, in the offense and the head coaching isn't going to play to DeAndre Swift's strength and not play along to Jared Goff's strengths here. Jared Goff right. is fantastic throwing to a to a uh, a running back, throwing you know short routes here. So uh, if they do everything we expect them to do, which is you know has never been the case with the Lions and coaching staff, uh, things are going to be okay, and you're setting yourself up for future success. Stack up some draft selections and, and maybe try for the first time ever in my lifetime have the Lions do things the right way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, you know, the the knock some of the knock on DeAndre Swift is just that well, the Lions never have a successful 1000-yard running back and it's like, okay, that that that's true. There are trends that play out that way, but you've got different people calling the shots now. And in a lot of ways, those types of those types of like outlooks, those those are done. Yeah. That is in the past that has nothing to do with what's coming up. Well, and I agree with Corey Davis. I was I remember 
I was one of the people that was really low on Corey Davis just because I really, really selfishly expected him to break out his rookie year. And when it didn't happen, I guess I took it personally. I was still kind of learning. Um, and then I just kind of wrote him off. It's like a lot of people are doing with Jerry Judy after last year. And then you've got the, you know, you've got the clever people swooping in and grabbing them at a really good value. But um, I would love, I would love to see, I mean, I don't know about both, but I would love to see one of those receivers in Detroit. And real, real quick, uh, who's to say, you know, people and organizations can't change. And you yeah. look at the Lions and they haven't changed in years, but I look at it as if you've ever been to the casino and you played roulette, roulette, if I walk up to the table and I see that, that red has come up 25 times, I'm going to put all my chips on black because it's just an odds game here. So if the Lions ha have yet to produce a very stud kind of running back, it's okay. Who's to say it won't happen this year? If black comes up 75 times on the roulette wheel, red has to happen one of these times. And the red right. is DeAndre Swift being a top five running back. Hey, man, I, I'm a lifelong Broncos fan. I feel that. Very much. I don't want to hear it, Nate. You last, guys, you guys want to that's true. We have like Super time. Bowls. That's fair. I, I'm last, also, last, little I'm piece, also... last little piece. I really miss um, good Todd Gurley. Just wanted to say that I miss yeah, him. That's good Todd Gurley. We all I miss do. him. The, the, the biggest fall from grace in football it's crazy. I've ever seen. I've ever seen. It's Ron Alexander was basically the last one that fell so quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I'm hoping better things are ahead for DeAndre Swift. There's a reason he's in our podcast logo. I, I was a DeAndre Swift guy since the moment he got drafted there. I'm getting a little hot and bothered, honestly, just talking about him <laughs> right now. Um, Nate, you, you, you want to calm me down here a little bit, bring up someone other than DeAndre Swift? <laughs> Yeah, you got some <laughs> cold water you can pour on Seth. His face is yeah, awfully he's, right he's so far away, or I would. Believe me. <laughs> um, so mine, I'm pivoting from what I actually have on the sheet because I thought of something else that I like way better. Winston rides off into the sunset, joins Broncos. Ooh. Look, Drew what's Locke. That? What's his first name again? Jameis. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Nice <laughs> try, though. <laughs> I got roasted on a stereo show from Scott. I don't know if roasted is the right word. Dave roasted me a little. I called you a troll and then, you know, yeah, that's how you true. talk. But other than that. You guys weren't very nice. But anyway, <laughs> look, Drew Locke's not it. And with the tools that Denver has and on offense, Noah Fant, Alberto, Nick Vanette, Tony Fumigali, Jake Butt, just at tight end. Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, they put a second round tender on Tim Patrick today. Like, damn, that's a core man. Uh, Melvin Gordon had his DUI charges dropped, so he's not facing a suspension now. Um, if they re sign Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman is only 25 years old. Like, that team is set offensively. It's stupid. It's stupid. But Drew Locke can't keep it together. He makes his reads are poor, he doesn't check through his progressions. And Shermer doesn't use him the way he needs to be used. And those guys are all like Hamler's an incredible deep threat. That guy can stretch the field. Seth, I know you love him. He was oh, really in state. Big 10 guy. Yeah, man. I mean, he's impressive. And Cortland Sutton sucked losing him for a year to injury, but we got to see Tim Patrick too mm -hmm. and what he's capable of. And, you know, he's a guy who's worth kind of sticking with. Apparently they think so with the second round tender. Yeah. So if you can get a guy like Winston who has had LASIK, yeah. So maybe he can see the field a little bit better. And maybe in a Shermer offense with those weapons, he's never had an offense like that. 
You sure, yeah. Nate? I, I haven't heard that Winston had LASIK surgery. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, believe me, I'm tired of hearing about it too. But as someone who should be wearing glasses and doesn't, um, I can tell you, I, I can't imagine the difference that's going to make in him being able to just simply see things quickly on the field. And maybe he'll throw 30 interceptions again. But if he comes into Denver and he throws 30 interceptions, <laughs> he's going to throw 40 to 45 touchdowns. And like, it's, it's, there's no other way around it. That that offense becomes tech mobile, almost kind yeah, of. I would agree for like for fantasy purposes. I mean, I'm sorry, I yes. don't know if that would push the Broncos over the hump in real football. Well, no, we're and in the same division as the Chiefs. I know, I know, but no, Winston. I mean, Winston with those weapons for fantasy purposes, that would be a lot of fun. A lot That's more true. fun than Drew Locke. A lot more fun. I love I love Drew Locke's dancing, and I think he's probably a great guy. He just doesn't have the vision. And Shermer wasn't using him properly either. And I, I mean, I could talk, I did talk about this for like an hour with yeah. Cal from dynasty Vipers, but like Locke needs a system where they're going to let him run and let him get outside of the pocket. And for some reason, even though Shermer's known for doing that with his quarterbacks, he didn't do it with Locke this year and it showed, it really showed. So Jameis Winston to Denver, I was hoping it was going to be Dak, but it wasn't because he got re-signed. Um, I'd love to see Deshaun Watson end up here, but again, I don't think it's going to happen. I think what's going to end up happening is he's going to hold out the entire season. I think there's so much wrong with that Houston Texans organization that they're yeah. not smart enough to get return for him. Yeah. The, the, out of just like pure, uh, like childlike petulance. Spite. Spite. They're just going to hold him. Spite your yeah. nose for your face or whatever that saying is. Yep. Spider yeah, if the Broncos get if the Broncos get a quarterback, I mean, every, you know, Judy's the second year player. He's super exciting, obviously, but I think it's it's Sutton that's going to go berserk. I think he was going to go berserk last year if he hadn't gotten hurt. That dude is he was that dude is the real deal. Yeah, yes, he so, is, man. and he's a he's a he's a deal right now in Dynasty. You know what's yes. going to be fun here, Nate, and I hope you'll probably agree here. Uh, it's going to be fun to see how those wide receivers shake out. Who's going to be RW1? Who's going to be wide mm -hmm. receiver two? Who's going to be that trusted wide receiver three guy? I mean, I have an idea in my mind, but we're yet to see it. So that's right. that's on my one on my short list of, of one of the things I'm looking forward to. What mm -hmm. the Eagles are going to do with their first round draft selection and how is the Denver Broncos wide receiver core going to shake out? Right. All right, Seth, I think it's your turn, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one last mention on the Jameis Winston thing real quick, Nate, is I don't understand why this is suddenly getting brought up that he got LASIK now because this happened in February of 2020, almost a year ago. Like I know. I I've been talking about it since then. Yeah, and I realized like he didn't. You. You know, he was in a backup role, so it didn't really affect him in, in 2020. But it, it's funny how it's just kind of getting dragged out now. But – I agree. Um, it'd be cool to see him in a Denver Broncos uniform. Um, so for my headline hijinks to kind of round us out here, gentlemen, I'm going to go with Green Bay Packers, heroes versus Dillons. And uh, guys, I mean, if you've been on Twitter anywhere in the last day or two, I don't know what's been going. Like AJ Dillon is just taking over. He's trending. Um, and I totally get it. Like Aaron Jones, he was not tagged. And Personally, I didn't expect them to tag Aaron Jones. You know, truth is they still are, are reportedly working on a long-term deal with him. I just don't think they can afford him. They Obviously, can't. 
No, that's the I'm, thing. If they could have afforded him and they didn't have a deal worked out, they would have tagged him. Yeah, and and you know now we we hear they're probably going to be losing their center as well. Uh, you know the whole mm-hmm. Jamal Williams thing that's up in the air as well. But you know I just want to you know a lot of people are talking about him from a dynasty point of view. I'm normally a redraft guy. This is more a redraft podcast. So like I'm just out here saying, even if Jamal Williams does come back, I'm definitely interested in Jamal. Uh, I have him in a couple places in dynasty stash just in case he is the one who gets signed back. But either way, with or without Jamal, if Aaron Jones does vacate the Packers, which is what I'm projecting right now, um, AJ Dillon's a guy in redrafts. I'd be thrilled to grab in the third or fourth round. I think he could be a really solid RB2 this year. And I think people are kind of like just overreacting right now to the whole AJ Dillon news. So what's um, the, what's the that, saying? Thick thighs win leagues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a it, new one. It is now. It is now. Yeah. <laughs> Realistically speaking real quick, if I may boys, uh, I've always been a Jamal Williams fan and who's to mm-hmm. say if Aaron Jones walks away, how do we know that AJ Dillon is going to be handed the keys to that castle there? And if there's a ton, as, as I told you earlier, I I love to think about strategies and go from there. I've been in several mock drafts, like dynasty startup mock drafts where I've just hammered home young stud wide receivers. And, Oh, I was able to grab JD McKissick, Jamal Williams, uh, James White, you know, in the 10th, 10th plus round. And I'm cool with that, especially in a redraft, you know, PPR league. That's just me. I just snagged JD McKissick in the 18th round of a startup. All right. 18th round. That's amazing. Outstanding. With some uh, pretty smart people too. I was a little surprised. Yeah. I got, Uh, I got James white extremely late. You know, the one that's going late, but I mean, he's older, but still. It's something on my mind to dig into and make a list of of pass catching running backs like that who aren't going to be given an RB1 kind of role, but they're going to get, you know, steady kind of work, you know, throughout the season on a game per game basic like Jamal Williams. He'll catch three or four passes a game and he'll carry the ball eight to 10 times a game. And that's for 18th round. That's fantastic. Same thing with J.D. McKissick. He was catching, you know, 10 passes a game and getting seven or eight carries. And if, if this stuff continues this coming season, which I think it will, you know, th- th- that's a home run in the later rounds. Yes, yeah, it is. Naheem Hines, the Colts, same, yeah. same deal. Yep. 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 Miles Sanders, the pass catching yeah. back, and he's going to be the bell cow back. I got, I have some thoughts about Miles Sanders coming up. Well, just a little hint. Um, I think, I think really, really good things are on the horizon for Mr. Sanders. They should be. Yeah. So Certainly. yeah, with AJ yeah. Dillon, it was similar to me with uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, Kind of knew that that was coming, but then once the news is actually official, everybody freaks out and it's buy yeah. low, sell high, you know, this whole thing. So with AJ Dillon, I mean, I guess it wasn't as clear, but um, I did see somebody post and, and it was accurate. Somebody tweeted um, the fact that Aaron Jones is gone doesn't make AJ Dillon any more talented than he was before he left, which is very right. true. Obviously, he could get more opportunity so he could be better in fantasy, but it doesn't all of a sudden make him a different player. Right. So that's yeah. very fair. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, gentlemen. In the one game that he did kind of get the workload there, he was 12 for 124 and two. So, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, It's definitely a hot debate right now. Um, We'll leave it at that for the time being. Chris, thank you so much, man, for coming on. And not just sharing your fantasy expertise with us, but sharing your story, man. It was super powerful. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I, I, you know, 
you guys know this better than anybody before we before the the broadcast kind of went live i said you know that i'm very excited about this one because again we can all talk fantasy football till we're blue in the face like we could sit here until the morning so be live for 10 hours and we could all read our notes and comb over stats and check in pro football reference we i could do that standing on my head i could do that in my sleep and and that's fine but I, I love to get into, you know, meaningful conversations with, uh, you know, well-respected men as, as yourself and really tell people, you know, what I'm about. And that that's really what you want. That's what you asked of me. And I was happy to give it to you. All you could have said was, Chris, what makes you, you? And you would, I would have still said the same exact thing because it's my own story. As, as Scott said, it's very easy when you tell the truth. I didn't come on this broadcast and try to tell Nate's story. I didn't come on this broadcast and try to tell Gary's story, who thank you for all the comments so far in this broadcast here. All I know is what I, what I can speak on. And that's me and what I've done, what I've been through, what I have on the horizon here. And these, these kind of conversations uh, are in today's day and age, I think they're, they're very rare. They're not a dime a dozen. Anybody, again, start, sit, headlines. What do you think of Carson Wentz? Let's go over the suit. Let's do a Super Bowl recap. Those are a dime a dozen. But having a, a meaningful conversation, you know, as men, because men primarily don't like to show emotions. Men just don't talk about their feelings. And, you know, I, I, I dislike that stigma because we all did here tonight. So that's four of us. We can, you know, chalk that up to the statistics. We're slowly, you know, changing this thing. And again, on social media platforms, everybody wants to put on a show. This is what I have to do to build my brand. You know, and if you're not authentic and if you're not yourself, you don't have a brand. Your brand has your name on it. Your brand has your website on it. So if you're telling all these these false, you know, all these pushing all these false narratives and trying to be someone you're not, then your brand is I don't respect it. Your brand is is not you know, it's not good. It's falsified and it's, it's lame. And I don't want nothing to do with that. If you're going to build a brand and you want to, you know, be yourself, that's the way to go. That's the, 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 the easiest advice that I have. So uh, thank you for asking me here. Thank you for giving me the platform and allowing me to, you know, get a few things off my chest. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thanks, um, Chris. Thank you, Scott and Nate again for joining us as always. Um, you can really check us back here in two weeks. We'll be back uh, same place, same time, uh, same type of thing going on. You can check out, we just launched a new version of our website today, celebrating nine months of in-between media. So we'll be here. We're going to continue to bring fantasy football, fantasy sports advice combined with life advice. Um, until next time, guys, keep it in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. In between fantasy football podcasts. So one thing that you know really sets us apart here is is we're not afraid to talk about other things that maybe aren't super fantasy related. Do what you can to become a better person, to become a better human.